Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Deuteronomy and the Gospel reading of Luke, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if I gave you the option right now to choose life or death, what would you choose? If I gave you the choice between living a long life here on this earth, with your family, with your friends, doing your work, your vocation, all the plans that you have in this life, all the trips you're scheduled to take, or for all of it to be gone in an instant, and you're no longer amidst family and friends, and all your plans have disappeared, what would you choose? seems to me that this would probably be a pretty easy answer for most people. But if you want to tell me by show of hands, you don't have to participate though, how many of you would choose life? How many of you would choose death? Now I know that some of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, if I die, well then I'll get to go to heaven, and that's much better than living on this earth. But you're like jumping to all of the end of this. So just take that thought out of the picture. Say, would you rather choose life or death? That's the question that the Israelites, the people of God, were faced with. They had life and good, death and evil set before them. Now, it may not be super easy to understand what's happening here in these six verses of Deuteronomy, but this is Moses speaking the words of the Lord to the Israelites. Moses, who had led the Israelites out of slavery by rescuing them from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt, who had led them across the, part, the parted Red Sea after Pharaoh's army chased them, who had received the Ten Commandments from God, who had received the covenant from God that he is now repeating to the Israelites. Now, why was he repeating it? Well, because the Israelites weren't very good about keeping up their end of the covenant with God. God had saved the Israelites and promised to take them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. When the Israelites made their way to the promised land, they send out 12 spies to go check it out. Those spies are gone for 40 days. And then they bring back the words of all that they had seen, the lush land. They even bring back some of the fruit of the land. But 10 of the 12 spies bring a bad report about the land and about the inhabitants in that land because they were scared of the people that they saw there. And they're afraid that they cannot defeat them. Only two spies went against the other ten, Caleb and Joshua. And they said, The land is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. Their protection is removed from them, 
and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now, when Caleb and Joshua bring this report to the people, the Israelites want to stone them. That's their response. And God speaks to Moses, calling out their unbelief, wanting to strike these Israelites down and take away their inheritance. But Moses intercedes for the people, and he asks God to not strike them down and to forgive them of their sins and unbelief. And God does forgive the sins of the people. But he says that none of them who disobeyed him, who didn't believe in him, who despised him, none of them shall enter the promised land. And so they will wander in the wilderness, in the desert, until the last of those people who went against God die off in the wilderness because they cannot enter the promised land. It will be their children that will inherit the promised land. But those who were faithless to God will never see it. They end up wandering for 40 years in the desert, which also coincides with the 40 days that the spies checked out the promised land. They wandered one year for every day. That was their punishment. Now, here we are 40 years later, and Moses is speaking to the people of Israel again. Except the generation that went against God, that was not faithful to him, they've all died off now. And now Moses is speaking to their children. But this is also his farewell speech, if you will. As he is now 120 years old, the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land, but Moses himself will not be able to go into it because of his own sins against God. He would only see it from afar. And Joshua will be the one chosen to replace Moses in leadership, and Joshua will lead them into the promised land. The covenant that God had made with the people when he called them out of Egypt while they wandered in the desert for 40 years was being renewed to them. But since the generation that the covenant had been made with had passed away, their children needed to hear it to hear it again, to be reminded of it. So Moses renews it with them, lest they forget about it and stray from it, lest they think that the old covenant doesn't apply to them anymore, lest they disobey it and then they say something like, well, I never knew about the covenant, what God expected of us. Moses tells them, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. In other words, if you want to choose life, all you have to do is this. Love the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. And you and your offspring will live. However, if you want to choose death, this is all you have to do. Turn your hearts away from God and you will not hear him. Worship other gods and serve them and you will surely perish. This is what was placed before the Israelites before entering into the promised land. 
What do you want to choose? Life or death? There is one more important thing to know for the Israelites. And that is, Moses had told them a few moments earlier, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. God tells you to choose life or death. But he is going to help you choose life by changing your heart so that you can love him with your whole heart and soul and live. Now this story of the Israelites is very similar to the story in the gospel reading. Jesus comes along in the gospel and he kind of poses the same question, just in a different way. Jesus lays it out. If you want to choose life, this is all you have to do. Hate your own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, and even your own life. That's how you can be Jesus' disciple. That's how you can choose life. Now, this probably needs to be clarified a little bit. When, we, when Jesus calls us to hate our family, he's not telling us to be cruel to them, to reject them. What he is laying out is a priority for us. God wants to be first in our life and love him above all things. If we love anything else above God, we are hating him by putting him second, third, fourth, way down at the bottom of all of our priorities. God wants to be at this top and stay at the top. That's if you want to choose life. Well, if you want to choose death, then all you have to do is the opposite. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Bearing the cross refers to the sacrifice Christ makes for us. And being a disciple of Christ means being willing to follow in his footsteps, which could include losing your own life. So if you want to choose death, just love your family, your stuff, your life more than God. And don't follow in Christ's footsteps. Don't make any sacrifices in your life, let alone giving up your very own life itself for God. Put everything else over God. That is how you choose death. So what would you like to do? Would you like to choose life or death? Seems like an easy answer, right? Except it's not. What if I told you that ultimately, you don't have a choice? Because there's only one option that you can choose. Or should I maybe say, there's only one option that you will choose. And that is death. You see, we have this sinful nature inside of us. We are born with sin. Sin that has been passed down to us because of original sin. Because of the original sin that Adam and Eve committed in the garden. Because they sinned, we are all born into sin. And as a result, we commit actual sins. And because we are born with this sinful nature, it is natural for us to sin. And when faced with the choice between sinning and not sinning, well, we will choose to sin. 
When faced with the choice between choosing God who is perfect and demands our perfection, or to choose to not believe in him and to live sinful lives opposed to God, we will choose to live sinful lives opposed to God. When faced with the choice to take up our cross and follow Jesus daily, or lay down our cross and follow our own sinful path, we will choose our own sinful path. And so when given the choice between choosing life and choosing death, the only choice we make is to choose death. And that sinful path that we walk is the path that leads only to death and damnation and hell. Our sin has consequences. It's death. It's physical death on this earth. Just like that generation of unfaithful, unbelieving Israelites died in the wilderness before entering the promised land that God was going to give them, we will die on this earth because of our sin, because of our unfaithfulness, and because of our unbelief. But we also deserve to suffer eternal death in hell. And God knew all of this. He knew that when left on our own, that his people would choose death. When you look at the Israelites in the Old Testament, when you look at the Israelites in the New Testament, when you look at the Israelites throughout the entire Bible, when left on their own, the people choose death. They choose to disobey God. When left on our own, we choose death. We choose to disobey God. That is why Jesus came. Why he came to take up his cross. To follow God's commands and will and laws and statutes perfectly. Because he knew that we can't. In order to give us life, Jesus chose death. He chose to voluntarily, willingly die on the cross for us, for our sins. For all of the times that we choose sin over him. For all of the things that we choose over him. For all the times that we are unfaithful. For all of the times that we reject him. For all the times that we are trapped in unbelief. For all of the punishment and death and hell that we deserve, Jesus took it and he placed it upon himself on the cross he died in our place he died the death that we all deserve because it was the only way for us to have life and this was a promise and covenant that god made with adam and eve in the garden that he made to a virgin named Mary that God would send a savior to save his people from their sins. But in order to save us, he had to pay the price. He had to die. And his death was not the end. Because if Jesus stayed dead, we would still be trapped in sin and death. Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, triumphing over sin and death and the devil and giving us the promise that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus also knew that while we're on this earth, we still have sin, and we still choose sin. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit 
to give us the gift of faith so that we can love God with our whole heart and soul and thus choose life. The explanation of the third article, the Apostles' Creed, reminds us, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightening me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, choose life, choose God. But the Holy Spirit creates saving faith in us. And so when we talk about choosing death or life, we in our sinful state only choose death. God, working through us, chooses life. But it's not our choosing, it's God's action and his work, and we take none of the credit. When we look back at the Israelites, their lack of belief in God's word, and the promises brought forth the wrath of God. He cursed them for 40 years to wander in the wilderness until that unbelieving generation died off, never stepping foot into that promised land. But to the faithful generation, God brought them to the land, that promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He called them to be faithful, and he told them that he would help them to be faithful, circumcising their hearts to him so that they could love him. For anyone in the world who chooses not to believe in God's words and promises, it brings the wrath of God upon them, and they cannot enter the promised land of heaven. God tells you to choose life or death, but he's going to help you choose life by changing your heart so that you can love him with your whole heart and soul and live. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God promises to take us to his promised land of heaven where he has prepared a room there for us. A land not flowing with milk and honey, but a land where there is no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more disease, no more mourning, no more tears, because he has done away with all these things. And in him, there is no death. There is only life. Life is a gift from him. Eternal life is a gift from him by grace through faith which is also a gift. Life. Eternal life. It's for you. And it's from him. Amen. Now the peace of God, God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.